Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, October 3rd. In today's news, from prison, Paul Manafort has been consulting with Rudy Giuliani on Ukraine. Odd markings and ellipses are fueling doubts about the accuracy of the White House transcript. And the whistleblower sought informal guidance from Adam Schiff's staff before filing his complaint. But first, the big idea. President Trump repeatedly involved Vice President Pence in efforts to exert pressure on the leader of Ukraine at a time when the president was using other channels to solicit information that he hoped would be damaging to a Democratic rival. Trump instructed Pence not to attend the inauguration of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky back in May, an event White House officials had pushed Pence to put on his calendar. At that time, Ukraine's new leader was seeking recognition and support from Washington. Months later, the president used Pence again to tell Zelensky that USAID was still being withheld while demanding more aggressive action on corruption. At that time, following Trump's July 25th phone call with Zelensky, the Ukrainians almost certainly understood that action on corruption meant investigating former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. Officials close to Pence insist that he was out of the loop and unaware of Trump's efforts to coerce Zelensky for damaging information. But Pence's activities occurred amid several indications of the president's hidden agenda. Among them were the abrupt removal of the U.S. ambassador to Kiev, the visible efforts by the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, to insert himself in the U.S.-Ukraine relationship, and alarm bells being raised inside the White House even before the emergence of the whistleblower complaint about Trump's conduct. Perhaps most significantly, one of Pence's own top advisors was on the July 25th call, and the vice president should have had access to the transcript within hours, according to a scoop last night by my colleagues Greg Miller, Greg Jaffe, and Ashley Parker. Trump's deployment of Pence is part of a broader pattern of using both executive authority and high-ranking officials in his administration to advance his personal and political interests, even in cases when those subordinates appear not to fully understand that another agenda is in play. Officials close to Pence contend that he traveled to Warsaw for a meeting with Zelensky on September 1st, probably without having read or at least fully registered the transcript of the July 25th call. White House officials say that Pence probably would have received the detailed notes of the president's call in a briefing book he received on July 26th. The five-page document also should have been part of the briefing materials he took with him to Warsaw to prepare for the Zelensky meeting. But Pence's defenders say the Veep and his staff weren't aware that the call had provoked the alarm that it did inside the White House, especially inside the White House counsel's office. But Pence's national security advisor and trusted aide, retired Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg, had been monitoring the call. It's also not clear whether Pence failed to read the White House account of the call in his briefing book, or if he read it and then found it unremarkable. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, in his quest to rewrite the history of the 2016 election, Trump's personal attorney has turned to an unusual source of information. Trump's imprisoned former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort. Giuliani in recent months has counseled several times with Manafort through the federal prisoner's lawyer in pursuit of information about a disputed ledger that could bolster his theory that the real story of 2016 is not Russian interference to elect Trump, but Ukrainian efforts to support Hillary Clinton. 
The relationship, which Giuliani acknowledged in an interview with the Washington Post, stems from a shared interest in a narrative that undermines the rationale for special counsel Bob Mueller's investigation. That inquiry led to Manafort's imprisonment on tax and financial fraud allegations related to his work in Kiev for the political party of former President Viktor Yanukovych. Manafort, who's serving a seven-and-a-half-year term at a prison in Pennsylvania, continues to express support for Trump, and Trump has not ruled out giving him a pardon. Number two, Trump said yesterday that his call with the Ukrainian president was transcribed, quote, word for word, comma for comma, an assertion that fueled mounting questions about the nature and completeness of that official memorandum that was put out by the White House last week. White House officials portrayed that document as not a verbatim transcription, but rather a summary that closely tracked the words the president used. But the whistleblower complaint that spurred this investigation said there is an official word-for-word transcript of the call that's out there. This is added to the uncertainty about what was included and held back and what the White House put out. Current and former U.S. officials who've studied the document point to several elements that they say indicates that the document may have been handled in an unusual way or edited suspiciously to remove potentially more scandalous comments by the president. Those include the use of ellipses that traditionally have not appeared in summaries of presidential calls with foreign leaders, according to current and former officials. In two of the cases when ellipses were used, they accompanied Trump's reference to cybersecurity firm CrowdStrike, which is at the center of a kooky conspiracy theory on the far right about a computer server central to the company's investigation of the Russian hack of the Democratic Party's computers that, according to those pushing this theory, is hidden away in Ukraine. The use of ellipses in this passage fueled questions about what was removed and why. The White House declined to comment when we asked about the discrepancies. Others have noted the brevity of the document purporting to represent a call that lasted 30 minutes. Even when you allow for the fact that there were translators on the line, clearly a lot is still missing. Number three. The whistleblower sought guidance from the House Intelligence Committee in the days before filing his complaint with the Intelligence Community's Inspector General. The whistleblower's interaction with an aide for Congressman Adam Schiff, the Democrat from California who chairs the House Intel Committee, reflects the officer's sense of urgency in surfacing the allegation that Trump corruptly coerced Ukraine to intervene in the 2020 election. Current and former committee staffers say it is fairly routine for the committee to receive informal inquiries from whistleblowers before a formal complaint is made. This happened under Republicans as well. But the revelation prompted an immediate jab by Trump, who suggested without evidence that Schiff may have composed the whistleblower complaint. An attorney for the whistleblower, whose identity has not been made public, rebutted Trump's claim and said that's absolutely not true. At no point, Schiff's spokesman adds, did the committee or the chairman review or receive the complaint in advance. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, October 3rd. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.